0: Welcome to Retirement Straight Talk with Paul and William, featuring award-winning financial advisor and former host of the Sunday Money Show News Talk 1010, Paul Baraka and his associate advisor William Baraka. Creating and keeping wealth does not need to be complicated. Paul and William will cut through confusing and contradictory financial advice to give you the real facts to help you invest better and enjoy a worry-free retirement. The views and opinions expressed in this video may not necessarily reflect those of IPC Securities Corporation. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 44 of Retirement Straight Talk with Paul and William and whether you're watching us on YouTube or listening to us on one of the various street, uh, streaming services, uh, this is a podcast on something that almost all Canadians get involved with, and that's their RSPs. And 32 years in this business, I found a lot of people don't contribute to their RSP, but for the wrong reason. And some people do contribute to their RSP for the wrong reason. So we're going to go over those today. We have eight specific do don't do's for your RSP that I think some of them may surprise you and six do's. So we're going to go through each one of those today with my trusty associate here. So I hope you enjoy this. Why don't we get going, William? Why don't we start with the don'ts for your RSPs? And well, you yeah, know, I heard- mean, before before you set it up, Paulie, you, you kind of uh,
2: referenced it. Um, RSPs have kind of been known as this I guess, one-stop shop for Canadians retirements. And yep. RSPs are, as we'll get into, for a variety of reasons, excellent for the right type of people, but yep. they're also not the right type of invest or account for certain types of people. So just wanted to set that up, but let's get into it, Paul.
1: Okay. So here's the reasons we hear not to contribute to an RSP. This is the probably the biggest one we hear, well, I have to pay tax on this eventually, so... Uh, You know, I don't like that. But I think, you know, what a lot of those people don't realize is their goal should be what's the best overall situation for you from an after-tax point of view. And for the great majority, a very good proportion of the Canadian population, overall in your entire lifetime, you're paying less tax on the money you end up with during retirement by using an RSP, And a lot of people don't realize that. So they just arbitrarily... Make that statement, but really, it's at the end of the day, do you end up with more money in your pocket during retirement than another strategy? And normally, that's the case with an RSP, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, just for our listeners, the key, one of the key advantages of RSPs is the tax deduction you get when you contribute to, to an RSP. Yeah. And yeah. the theory, the big theory behind RSPs is that. They're great because you typically withdraw from RSPs when you're in reti- when you're retired and again most people not everyone but typically you'll be in a lower tax bracket so when you withdraw it you'll pay less tax on it than the tax break you'll get when you contribute to it don't want to get too much into it right now but even if you're in the same tax rate, in retirement as you are when you contribute an RSP can still make lots of sense because of the tax deferral you get from from RSPS you don't pay any tax
1: on investments within it. And that's huge by the way the number of people that have non-registered or business accounts huge and they pay capital gains tax on realized gains and it just it's it's not thought of that you don't have to pay that in an RSP those can be very very big numbers.
2: Yeah, absolutely. This is more rare but it does still happen. It's more person to person. But there can also be situations, Paul, and our listeners will probably be surprised to hear this. But even if you're in a higher tax rate in retirement, there are still some situations where you'll come out better ahead using an RSP. Not always, and it's more of a rare situation, but it is still possible. So again, just don't ignore an RSP because you'll have to pay tax on it. You're ignoring all the absolutely other not that
1: you get from the account. Now, another reason we have people tell us they don't put money in an RSP. if you're a business owner, they say, well, I can make more money by putting that in my company. Well, yeah, maybe, or maybe not. You know, you got to look at, say, do you want to put all your eggs in one basket? What happens if that business that you're depending on for your entire retirement, what if technology changes? What if your competition all of a sudden gets better or consumers' likes and dislikes change? And all of a sudden, that company that was worth X number of million dollars isn't worth that anymore. And you're a few years from retirement. What are you going to do? What if you think that magical buyer for your company doesn't appear? That's a risky, risky formula to put all your money in your business. Could do very well, probably do very well, unless it doesn't.
2: Yeah, you, you want to diversify basically and build net worth outside the business. Like you said, you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're to a great extent relying upon the sale of business for your retirement money and then you get to the point where you want to sell the business and for all the reasons you just listed something happens whatever it is where you can't sell the business or you don't get the price you thought
1: you might then you could be in some serious trouble happens all the time next reason why people don't put money in into their sps is they say well i could make way more money in real estate and real estate's been hugely profitable for many people during the last out of 15, 20 years. But realist, buying real estate is completely different than investing in RSP. It's work, it's time, it's acumen, it's, it's all of these things. And you're adding leverage to real estate because you're going out and borrowing money. But just from a pure numbers point of view, according to the Toronto Real Estate Board, the average price of a home in Toronto rose 104.18% between January 1 of 2010 and the end of 2019. 104%, great. But the S&P 500 during the same time, earned 255% during the same period. No work, no acumen, no commissions, none of this. So again, you want to diversify. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. It just yeah. makes common sense.
2: I'd encourage everyone who wants to uh, hear a little bit more about that. Paul and I, we did a full episode on the yep, pros and yep. cons of real estate investing. It's episode 27. So if you're interested in hearing more, we we really dove deep into that topic. Go back and, and listen to episode 27.
1: Yeah. Another reason why people don't want to contribute, they say, Hey, you know, uh, it's not the right time. I'll wait, I'll do it. You know, I'll do it down the road. I'll do it in five years after this is done or 10 years, whatever. But there's a can be a very big cost to waiting to contribute and i just did some quick numbers here another thing we hear about not putting money into an rsp is i'm going to wait can't do it right now too many things going on i'll wait i'll do it you know when this is done or that's done maybe five years down the road whatever quick example here if you are putting let's say you're going to put twenty thousand dollars into an rsp and you're going to do that for 35 years And you're going to end up with two point three million dollars. Well, you know what? If you put off for for fifteen years, starting to put that twenty thousand dollars a year into the RSP, fifteen years down the road to end up with the same amount, you have to add sixty three thousand dollars a year for the uh, for the following years to get up to be in the same position at retirement. A big big cost to waiting there. Next point. We talked about this briefly before of don'ts. Don't stray from your investment plan. A lot of people last year, they had an investment plan, but 2020, 2022 wasn't a good year. So they bought a five-year GIC a year ago, thought this is great, 5% guaranteed. But then markets boomed last year. U.S. market is up over 26%, Canadian market over 10%. So again, they those people who did that lost a significant amount of money. If you have a plan, stick to it. Regardless of what's going on in the marketplace. What's another don't here we have William? What I'll wait to put money in my RSP until February. I'll see what I got.
2: Right. That's what how many most, times have we heard that? Well, that's what most people do. They just cause most people they procrastinate. They need they need that deadline to actually make them do something. But for people who do that, it's costing you a lot of money um just consider that if you do that every year and compound that over all your earning years consider that the market not always but markets tend to go up like they did last year they go up more often than than they don't yeah so if you're waiting every year until uh the last month you can make that contribution you're missing out on all those years of of growth that could have been growing on your RSP. And so you're waiting till the end, waiting till the deadline missing out on the previous year's growth. Again, doesn't all that. Yeah. But again, the markets go up more often than not that compounds over several years can make a
1: really big difference. Yeah. And by the way, most people don't wait, to pay their mortgage every month. They pay it every month. They pay their electricity bill every month. They pay all of their bills every month that they have to pay. Putting money into your RSP should be treated the same way. You treat it like a bill, do it every month. By the way, when you put money in every month, you take advantage of dollar cost averaging, which is a fantastic, easy and simple way to have more money in your pocket at the end of the day. Now there's a couple of times where that doesn't make sense. If you put money into your RSP with bonuses, or you're a business owner, that may not make as much sense. But for the average person, don't wait until a deadline. Do it monthly. And what's what's another thing? How many people will do we meet? They have three, four accounts at three, four different institutions. You know, I've got some money over here. I got some money over there and here. Well, what's what's the old Kiss principle? What is that, William? Kiss principle keep it simple, stupid. And Warren Buffett, I've never, all the, I've
2: never heard that before.
1: <laughs> you haven't. Oh, it's a kiss principle. <laughs> you know, Warren Buffett says the same thing. Why should you try and jump over a pole that's seven feet tall? If you can jump over a pole, that's one foot tall and accomplish the same darn thing. I've heard that one before. Oh so, you know, Look, if you got your money all over the place, what's the purpose of it? Um, it's going to make it more difficult for you to track these things more difficult for you to keep your asset allocation uh, coordinated to keep your geographic allocation. It's probably going to cost you more money. You know what? Cause if you have a small bit of money at three or four different institutions, uh, you're not going to take, they're going to charge you more money. I mean, people who come to us, the bigger the account, the cheaper it gets. And most good firms they are the same way. So it's probably going to cost you more. It's going to be more work for you to keep things organized more work to figure out, are you on course to meet your goals, determining uh, rates of return and so forth. So again, opening more than one account and more than one firm, you know, to me, it makes no sense whatsoever. It's something that you shouldn't do for your RSPs. So by the way, let's move on to the next one. What do most people do with their refund they get from putting money to an RSP? Yeah, they spend it.
2: And I think that be that's... In large part, due to a common mischaracterization of what a, an RSP refund is. Like a, a refund from an RSP should not be considered uh, some windfall that you can go spend on a vacation or whatever, whatever you want to spend it on. But it's actually just the present value of a future tax payment you're going to have to pay. It's not a windfall. You're going to have to pay that tax eventually. So, yeah, you really good point. You should really be putting that back in. You can put it back into your RSP if you have the room, put it into a TFSA, or even another good idea is, and then again, which one is best for you is dependent on your situation. But another common uh, thing we recommend to our clients is use that to pay down
1: part of your mortgage. I have a quick example here uh, of that. Let's say you have a half a million dollar mortgage at 6% with a 25-year amortization. Let's say you're also putting $20,000 a year into your SP, So you're getting $10,000 back in refund. Let's just keep the number simple. If you put that $10,000 of refund in your mortgage, your mortgage will be paid off in 16 years versus 25. And you're going to save $276,189 of interest. That is a lot of money in my books anyway, William. So again, you want to increase... Your your net worth. Your your your. Uh, if you want to do that, take that refund and use it as William says: TFSA, other RSP room, or pay down non-deductible debt. You can't go wrong doing that. And what's the, what's the next one here? How would every listener like to reduce their taxes by maybe thirty five percent? Well, I'm sure no one is going to. No one listening or watching is going to say no. Well. A simple way to do that is make sure there's not too much left in your RIF or RSPs at the end of the day. Because look, at if you have way too much money in your RIF and, you know, you're 90 years old and, you you know, we're going to die eventually, that money is going to be taxed at probably around 55% in your estate. However, if you draw that out as income during retirement, you may pay very little, maybe only 20% tax on that. If you're in a modest tax bracket, well, that's a 35% saving on all that money. That is a lot of money. Again, it goes back to the planning, right? Well, it goes back to the planning where you want to decide how how much money do you want to take out to provide your retirement income from which different sources, what's going to be the best tax advantage. So again, don't leave too much money in your RIF, in your estate. Again, it all goes back to the plan. Uh, now, if you're a business owner, will RSP may not be the best option for you anyway, right? I mean, not necessarily. Again, we we did
2: an episode on this a while back, but there's a, a account called an individual pension plan or mm-hmm. an IPP account, which can be really, really, really good for for business owners. Usually, it's best for people over the age of forty. And um, if they've maxed out their RSPs and I, in an individual pension plan, IPP can give you a lot more contribution room um, than allowed in an RSP. And there's a couple other uh,
1: really neat features of the account uh, as well. Yeah, again, it's not for everyone, not for every business owner. That's where the planning really has to come in. But for certain business owners, the IPP may be a much better option than an RSP. And of course the last number eight, of what you want to not do is boy what who would build if you're going to build a home will are you going to go out and build that home without architectural plans you're going to show up one day with uh, some cement guys and carpenters and say let's 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 have some fun here let's build a house that's not going to work obviously i would never have fact, a house. i don't know Well, as a matter of fact, most people aren't going to do anything without some type of plan, whether it's even going to the grocery store. Well, you know, here I need this, 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 and the other thing. You have a list. If you're going to do anything important, you think about it ahead of time in terms of what you want to do, right? Mm -hmm. Now, an RSP is designed for the most part to provide retirement income. Well, because of longevity, right, retirement can be... 25 35 maybe up to 50% of your adult life i mean it doesn't make any sense to leave that up to hope to lose control of that part of your life what we're saying is you should always contribute to a, uh, your rsp in accordance with a plan you know yeah, what do you want to look-
2: don't don't just throw money into an rsp uh, close to the deadline because your, your bank told you to, or, or something like that. Make, make sure it makes sense within the broader
1: uh, perspective of your financial plan. Yeah. So, those are eight different don'ts do for your RSP. Now, let's talk about some do's. And how do you know if you should contribute to an RSP, William? Well, uh, again, if your tax rate during your working years is likely going to be higher than during your retirement, guarantee your retirement putting money into an rsp is going to be fantastic for you uh and that's something you'll always do if your tax rate is going likely going to be lower during retirement and again it comes back to the plan what does your plan say what's your anticipated tax rate during your retirement years lower bingo rsp as you I, mentioned I'd before say even if for it's high
2: a- income earners that definitely makes sense for low income earners not always the case sometimes it's yeah. TFA. Uh, might be the better option, but again, like we've been saying, it's really dependent uh, on each individual
1: uh, situation. Yeah. So that's number one. Number two. Well, how, how would we like to make a simpler, no brainer, guaranteed guaranteed way to reach our retirement goals? Who wouldn't want that? Well, again, most people they take their pay, they spend what they're going to spend and what they're going to spend. And if there's anything left over, they add it to their investments, their RSP. But that's not generally a good way to do it because often there isn't much left over. Proper way to do it is by using the golden rule of financial planning. And the golden rule is paying yourself first. And that way is you take your pay and you pay the things that need to be paid, which is your electrical bill, your mortgage, your RSP. You put it in the same category and then it just happens automatically. You can't go wrong doing this. It works. I do it and it just makes total sense so again i know we're all busy in life this well we're all busy in life this means you don't have to worry about things i mean most people i think well they automatic uh, they automate payments for their credit cards electricity the gas the mortgage why not do it for your rsp just makes common sense so now okay
2: so the next thing you should do or consider doing is uh deferring the tax deductions you get on those RSPs because I think again this is something that not everyone is aware of but you don't have yeah. to take your RSP deduction immediately if it makes sense you can defer it out uh, a few years and when might that make sense maybe you're just grad maybe you just graduated school out of school mm-hmm. you're First or second job, whatever it is, you're, you're expecting to get a big pay raise in the next few years. So it might make sense, especially if you're in that situation or a situation like that. Make your RSP contribution, but defer the deduction until when you're in a higher uh, tax bracket. You'll get much much uh, larger tax uh, tax break from that.
1: Yeah. Again, any, if you're anticipating having a higher income the following year, maybe you're expecting a big bonus. Maybe you're going to have you sold some property or something with a with a capital gain. Tax rate's going to be higher. Put the money in the RSP, let it grow, take the deduction the following year. Good point.
2: Now another Next one. another do, and this is uh, for for people who. Again, a lot of people probably aren't aware of this, but if you're working past the age of 71, you're actually still generating RSP contribution room. Now, past that age, you can't contribute to an RSP yourself because you aren't allowed to have an RSP. But if you're married and your spouse is under the age of 71, you can actually contribute to a spousal RSP for them using your room and you'll get the deduction on it. Can be really, really tax advantageous. Good way to to take advantage of RSPs
1: for people in that situation. Yeah, we've come across a few of our clients in that situation. They've taken advantage of that. And okay, let's go on to the next one now. What if there's one income earner who's earning more money than the other one? There's a, a strategy that we can use that can potentially increase the tax benefits and what's that strategy Will?
2: well what a lot of high income earners do because it makes sense except for what we're going to get into is they say okay I'm making the most money I will get the biggest tax break from an RSP contribution so I will make all the RSP contributions my other spouse the, the lower income earner won't contribute to any RSPs and where that can become problematic is where if the both of you retire before the age of 65 and the high income earner has built up a really massive RSP. If they need to withdraw money from that or they convert it to a RIF uh, before the age of 65, they won't be able to split the income on that with their spouse. You can only split split RIF income with your spouse once you turn 65. Yeah, so that could cost yeah. you a lot, a lot of taxes if you're forced to pull out a lot of RIF income um, and you can't split it for tax purposes your with your spouse.
1: Yeah. So again, yeah. use the spousal RSP. Uh, there's no real downside from using a spousal RSP. Always a good strategy.
2: Yeah. The the and, way around, the way around that is the high income earner contributes to the spousal RSP for the low income earner. So again, the high income earner still gets the the tax deduction on it. But again, if you retire before the age of 65, then you can kind of equalize the RSPs between the two spouses. Uh, to minimize one one spouse getting a huge tax bill.
1: So spousal RSP is always a good situation. And one of the last things that's not talked about a lot is one of the benefits of the RSP is that, you know what, people get into trouble, don't they? They, they get into financial trouble sometimes. It's just a part of life. And one of the things the RSP offers not available elsewhere is some creditor protection. If you go bankrupt, you have creditor protection from that rsp that doesn't happen putting your money into real estate if it's held in your name there may or may not be some creditor protection within a corporation depending how you're structured so that can be a a big an an important area for example you have uh, someone who was an engineer uh, an architectural engineer and they said well even after i'm retired i have liability i can be sued for some engineering diagrams that i did 20, 30 years ago, I need creditor protection just in case. So again, creditor protection can be- Well, to, big... to clarify,
2: Paul, the the, R, the creditor protections on RSPs only pertains to bankruptcy. Yes. Um, and as well, it does not protect you from any contributions within the previous 12 months of you going bankrupt, but it does extend to, to
1: any contributions uh, beyond that that time limit. Now, just to add to that, of course, if you invest in an RSPs with an insurance company, the creditor protection is a greater value. And an individual pension plan with a business is protected uh, from creditors by statute. So again, depends on your situation. That's where you want to have the plan. Talk to your advisor. What makes sense for me in regards to creditor protection? So just quickly, uh, you want to do a quick summary? Let's do a quick summary here, Will, because we're nearing the end things not to do with your RSP well don't contribute because you don't want to pay taxes down the road because you feel you can use earn more in real estate or in your business don't stray from your investment plan regardless of what the market happens in your RSP avoid waiting for the deadline to put money in your RSP that's going to likely cost you money uh, avoid having accounts all over the place that are more complicated and probably more costly for you Another thing to avoid doing is spending that refund. Boy, if you take that refund and put it towards your mortgage, you're going to increase your net worth tremendously. Don't leave too much registered money in your state because your state's probably going to pay 55% in tax. If you're a business owner, the RSP may be a good option, but an individual pension plan may be better. And number eight, don't don't contribute to your RSP without a plan. So you have an end goal, you have a plan. Now, the dues, do you want me to do the dues, Will, or do you want to do? Go ahead. I'll do. So always contribute to an RSP when your tax rate, your anticipated tax rate during retirement is lower. And usually when your anticipated tax rate is going to be about the same, still beneficial for you. Automate your contributions. Set it up like you do your mortgage payments, your electricity. Just set it up an auto payment. Every month it's going to come out. You know it's going to happen. And after a while, you won't even notice it defer taking the deduction until the most advantageous year you can de- you can defer taking that deduction into infinity there's no limit on that again if you're over 71 and still working you may still be able to make a, an RSP contribution you can do it in the name of your younger spouse or do it in the last year the last month of your age 71 you can still get an RSP deduction when you're age 72 maximize use of spousal rsp and be aware of the creditor protection in various parts of RSP. So that's our show for today, guys. Hey, I hope this was worthwhile for you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please like, share, and subscribe
2: to the show. Be a great help if you found it valuable to pass it along to someone you know that you think might find it useful as well. And you can follow both of us on social media. Uh, Paul and I, we're both on LinkedIn. And you can find me on on X as well.
1: Uh, All the links to those will be in the the show notes below. For the next podcast, let people know here, the next podcast, we're going to talk about why we're hardwired. Almost all of us are hardwired to be lousy investors and how we can try and overcome that. So that's on the next podcast in a couple of weeks. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Uh, Thanks, Paul. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. See you in a couple of weeks. Have a great time. Bye-bye now.
0: This podcast was brought to you by West End Wealth Planning, an award-winning wealth planning practice catering to small and medium-sized business owners and to those looking to create a worry-free retirement for themselves and their families. To learn more, go to westendwealth.com. Don't forget to rate this podcast and subscribe to Retirement Straight Talk with Paul and William by going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts.